So Chris mentioned the revival that's happening at Asbury. How many of you guys have been following this or seen this? Have you seen it? Get your hands up. So I'm, I'm just curious um, how many of you have. It looks like a good many of you haven't. Um, it's, it's happening in Kentucky, and it's at uh, a, a university. It's Asbury University. There's also a seminary there. We've got a few people in our congregation that are in school there right now. And, um, and if you're not familiar, it was last Wednesday, uh, just a, a revival broke loose. And, um, and, and it wasn't anything uh, really crazy. I think they just had worship, and then afterwards there were a few people that stayed around and, and they were praying. And, uh, and I think the school had been praying, this had happened around 1970, and they had been praying that it would happen again. Um, and there's so much teaching around this. In fact, if I, if I would have gotten ahead of it, I might have just spent the whole time today just talking about what revival is and what revival means when we say the word revival. But it's really like a, a, um, a, a reawakening, a renewal, a reset, a restart, um, a pouring out of God's favor, something that God does, not us. You, don't, you can't just say, we want to have a revival, God, and you have a revival. Um, and when we say revival, we don't mean, uh, we were talking about this in the band room, we, we don't necessarily mean, uh, like if you grew up in a church said, hey, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we're going to have a revival. I mean, that's good. But this is a natural move of God in which God moves. And I want to show you a few pictures. I just want to start off with a, with a few pictures. Um, this is the chapel up there. I haven't been to Asbury, but I, I, that's a lot of people. Um, and and they, they've been doing this. They've been praising God around the clock. Now, from what I've read, um, I, I obviously I haven't been there. They um, are... Uh, you know, like, like at night, I think there might, might be some people in there, but it's not like just crazy all the time. Um, and I think there's one other picture. This is the outside of the chapel. And I think people have just been driving up there because they've been drawn to the presence and the power of God. And, you know, I, um, like Chris said, we want a revival at our church. I think God is the one who has to initiate the revival. We can't do that. We, we can't say, gosh, we want one, which I would love more than anything to have a revival here. Um, for God to really pour into us. You know, our church has been through a lot. Um, it's, just, it's just been a heavy few years. Um, and so I just told the Lord, I was praying this week, and I, I just said, actually this weekend, and I just said, Lord, I said, I'm, I'm just going to give the people an opportunity to pray um, for revival in our church this morning. I, I'm not trying to conjure up a revival. I just think we need to pray for one. Um, and I just think we need to ask the Lord for that. And, and I think what's happening at Asbury is, is, can be a conduit for many other places. And I, I believe that can happen here where we get so on fire and excited for God that that becomes our focus and not all of our differences. It, it's hard to have differences when you're praising God together. Um, and God will draw us together. And so I, I'm not saying I want us today to have a revival that never stops. I'm saying I want us to pray for that. Um, to ask God just to pour out favor on our church. And, and uh, I don't want any music or anything to, 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 try, to try to get your emotions going. I, I, I just ask you to pray for it with me. Um, and just spend, spend some time doing that. And you can pray in your seat or if you want to pray with somebody this morning. I, um, these are kids, by the way. These are college kids. And I'm not so sure that if we were to have a revival in our church that it wouldn't start with the young people. You know, I went up to Walk with Christ last weekend, and it's crazy the excitement and passion that young people have for Jesus. Um, it's contagious. Uh, 
And we need that, man. Like, so if you're here and you're a young person, man, you were changed last weekend or whatever. Like, bring that back to us. Um, bring it back and let us get excited about it. Uh, I, I can only do so much cheerleading on Sunday. Um, it's got to come from, from God and from the movement of the Holy Spirit. And there's, there's nothing, when I say that, I, there's nothing um, that's completely pure-hearted. There's no motive. I have no, no motive to get, to get the church excited. or whatever. I just literally just say, God, just pour out your spirit on this place. And I just ask you to ask that from God with me this morning for him to pour out his spirit. If you're not comfortable doing that, hey, all you got to do is sit there. But let people around you have time who want to pray for that. If you just let them pray for that. And I got a sermon. I, I didn't skip that. But, um, but I want us to take time to pray for that this morning. Just to ask the Lord for that. Man, we need that here. We need God to pour out his favor on the church. We really need that. We need God's wisdom. We've got a lot, of, a lot of wisdom of man in this church. A lot of people in here got a lot of wisdom. And they'll let you know it. Everybody's got opinions. We've got a lot of powerful people in this church. But I don't want to listen to people. We need to listen to God. We need to listen to who he's calling us to be, what he's calling us to do as a church, how we're supposed to treat each other and love each other. We can't get ahead of God. We get ahead of God sometimes. You ever gotten ahead of God? Where God's right beside you, you run ahead of him and say, God, this is the direction we're going. We've got to ask God what direction he wants us to go. So, and I'll, I'll tell you this, that, repent, that um, revival begins, in my mind, with confession. So, I would encourage you to confess your sins to God. See, a lot of times we say it begins with repentance, but it begins with confession. You have to confess what's separating you from God, and then you repent from it. And then you thank Him, and you praise Him, but like all this stuff that's going to Asbury, everybody's talking about repentance. And I'm like, thank, thank God that this country has a move of repentance, because we need to repent as a country, as a people, as a church. Church needs to repent. The church has got to be the example of Christ to the world. Uh, if we're not being the example of Christ to the world, then nobody is. So we need to confess our sin and repent. So I said, I, I just told Lord, I just give us opportunity to pray this morning. So that's what I'm going to do. We'll take however long we need to. Um, but uh, if you want to come to the kneeling rail, you can. If you want to sit in your seat, you can. But uh, I think I will kneel and I'm just going to pray. So. Um, let's just take time to do that. Once again, if you want to grab somebody's hand and pray with them, feel led to pray, you want to pray in a group, you can do that this morning. Um, if you just want to sit quietly, you can do that. Uh, but let's just go to the Lord and just ask him. Just ask him what we need as a church and ask him to bless us. While people are praying, I would encourage you to do this. If, if you need to confess your sin, I would just encourage you to do that. That was what was on my heart today. If you just need to confess, just confess your sin to the Lord. Start there. You may not have to repent, but just confess it to the Lord. Just whatever sin you're carrying. You start by confession. You don't have to repent from him. Just tell him, just confess your sins to him. And then you repent, 
and you turn from your sin, you just ask the Lord to forgive you. And then you give him thanks and praise for who he is. Amen. Thank you all. So, um, I want to talk about where revival really begins, which is by getting in the presence of God. So what I want to talk to you about today is the importance, the power, and the necessity of getting in God's presence. Now, I just mentioned confession and repentance, but sometimes you have to get in God's presence in order to know that you need those things, right? So you got to get in his presence to feel the conviction to know that you need to confess and to, to repent. Also, part of getting in God's presence is that we have to make time to get in his presence because in order to get into his presence, we have to sacrifice some things. We got a lot of busy people with a lot of busy schedules, and the only way to really hear from God is if you get in the presence of God. It's kind of like going on a date. You don't know how somebody's feeling until you sit down and you actually take time to listen. You got to get busy listening in order to know how God wants you to be transformed. And so we're going to look at a man who goes up on a mountain to get into the presence of God, and his name is Moses. If you've never heard of him, he's a pretty big deal in the Old Testament. And the story actually foreshadows the New Testament story of three guys who went up on a mountain with Jesus named Peter, James, and John. It was Jesus' inner circle. And they go up on the mountain and they have this experience called, uh, the, well, in the New Testament, it's called the Transfiguration. And this in the life of the church is what we call Transfiguration Sunday. How many of you knew that? I bet there won't be one hand. Mine. So it's Transfiguration Sunday, and so we celebrate the fact that Jesus revealed his presence to Peter, James, and John, but really showed his divinity, that he was God, that he was transformed before them. And so if you're, uh, if you're reading your Bible in a year, by the way, uh, we just went through this story. And by the way, thank you all for those of you that are reading your Bible in a year. That's awesome. I'm still hanging in there with you. I know there's a good many of you doing that, and it's awesome. So you just read the story if you've been reading the Bible in a year with, with me and what I'm doing. But I want you to stand. Uh, let me get my act together, and let's stand and read Exodus 24, 12 through 18. And here's what it says. It's the story about Moses going up on the top of the mountain. It says, the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and stay here, and I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and commandments I have written for their instruction. And then Moses set out with Joshua, his aide, and Moses went up on the mountain of God, and he said to the elders, wait here for us until we come back to you. And Aaron and Ur are with you, and anyone involved in a dispute can go to them. When Moses went up on the mountain, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. For six days the cloud covered the mountain, and on the seventh day the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. To the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. And then Moses entered the cloud as he went up on the mountain, and he stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. This is the word of God for the people of God. Father, bless the teaching and preaching of this word. Lord, you know I could pray all day, but i got to preach. And I just thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to present this word today. Help me to focus and deliver this message in a way that's honoring and glorifying you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to walk through these verses. We're going to start with verse 12. And here's what it says. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Come to me on the mountain and stay here, and I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandments I have written for their instructions. So we're going to start with this, that God called Moses to the mountain. 
God called Moses to the top of the mountain. And this is what I love about God is that he actually calls us to him. He calls us unto him. He is calling Moses saying, come to me on top of the mountain. In other words, he loves Moses. He wants to actually have a relationship with him. If you've ever felt God calling you to something, you know the power of the call of God on your life. Maybe he's calling you into a vocational ministry. Maybe he's calling you into a relationship or a marriage. Maybe he's calling you out of a relationship or a marriage. Maybe he's calling you to raise your children a certain way. Maybe he's calling you to lead in the church. But whatever it is, if he's calling you, you've got to listen to the call of God. And it says that God called Moses to the top of the mountain. Now, the interesting thing about a relationship with God is that it takes work and it takes sacrifice. If God calls you, it actually takes work in listening to the call of God on your life. So what Moses does is that Moses goes, okay, God, I'll come to you. He actually calls him by name, but he has to go up the mountain. Sometimes there's work to actually get to the Lord, to actually do what he's calling us to do. I was walking around Walmart this week since it was Valentine's, and I was looking at all the people that were putting all this work into seeking in to find the love of someone. They were getting chocolates, they were getting cards, they were getting balloons. They were all a little bit stressed because it was Valentine's Day. And anyway, and I got, by the way, I got an exploding card. It was really awesome, and I gave it to Jenny, and she opened it up, and it just went like, poof, but it didn't actually explode. Um, I got sushi. I did a good job, but all these people were like working, and they were struggling, and they were trying, but I was watching them pour their, their work into the relationship with, with another person, and I thought, what if we worked to pour our relationship into, into God? What would that look like? Like, what if we actually came and weekly asked God to, to pour out his blessing on us and to pour into us and show favor to us, and we actually cried out like we did just a few minutes ago. We took the time to ask him to give us his blessing. See, James 4, 8 says, if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Or Matthew 7, 7 says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. Of course, once again, God actually speaks to Moses and he says, Moses, I want you to come up to the mountain, which to me would be pretty amazing if God were to say, hey, Justin, I want you to come meet me at this spot at this hour at this time. And so Moses had that privilege, but we do have the Holy Spirit to speak to us today. Jesus says in the New Testament, he says, abide in me and I will abide in you. In other words, if you live in me and love me and have the Holy Spirit in you, then I will be in you. I think one of the most important things that we can do is getting away with God and find a place to do that, to get in his presence. Um, I, uh, one of my favorite things that, that I try to do, I haven't done recently, but uh, is just get away with God and listen. Remember one time I took three days and went up to a mountain cabin and it had a hot tub. And I remember I was sitting in the back in the hot tub on the porch in the back of this cabin. And I was just talking with the Lord. And I imagine if somebody saw me, they'd think I was crazy. But I was just back there talking and spending time in his presence and listening and, and trying to hear what he has to reveal to me, what he wants to share with me, what he wants me to do, and trying to have an ear attuned to him. And what does he want to say and how does he want to love on me and what is he calling me to do? Which means that in order sometimes to go somewhere like that, we have to leave some things behind. I think one of the reasons we don't hear from God is because we're not willing to give up the other voices in our life. You know, you have to, if you're single, I mean, at least I remember my single days and you're younger, maybe you got a little more flexibility, but once you get a spouse and kids and a job or a business or whatever else you have, it's kind of hard to get away and hear from the Lord sometimes. Kind of go, man, I got all these things going on, Lord. I can't drop all this responsibility. I got too much going on. Surely you understand. 
But he's going, no, I love you. I want to hear from you. I want you to come and spend time with me. The most important thing that we could do is hit time out in our day to hear from the Lord before we speak to others. See, we, we probably picture Moses as somebody who just kind of sat around and, you know, had his hands out like this and just was waiting for the manna to come from heaven. But, but we know that Moses had tons of responsibility. We know that he was leading thousands of people. He was married. He had, uh, I think he had two boys. He had kids. He had all these things, and yet the Lord calls him and says, I want you to come to me. It's one of the reasons I like to get away and deer hunt, honestly, if I'm honest with you. Um, I love just to sit out in the woods and just listen, just get alone with the Lord. I don't know where your place is. It's, it's all quiet, and then a deer walks by, and you blow it away. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, 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 don't even, I don't even like to shoot, shoot the deer, honestly. I'm not, I'm not that big about it. I just, I just like to get alone with the Lord. Maybe your place is on a fishing lake. Maybe your place is on a golf course. Maybe it's um, sitting on a pond with a fishing rod or whatever it is. But you've got to find time to get alone and hear from the Lord. Because if you don't hear from the Lord, you can't follow the Lord. There's always a lot of voices in your ear in the world. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody has a thought. But you've got to get alone and hear from the Lord. God doesn't tell Moses just to come. He tells him to stay, which um, I find this interesting. He says, I want you to come and I want you to stay. And we know that he's going to give him the law when he's up there. And he says, I just want you to sit with me for a while and just listen to me. And I wonder, when was the last time many of us just sat and listened from the Lord? Not tell him what we need, not rattle off a grocery list of I need this and I want to be healed and I need this and this and this, but just to listen. It says in verse 13, it says that Moses set out with Joshua his aid and Moses went up on the mountain of God. Moses takes Joshua with him. Sometimes we need to just get alone with the Lord, but sometimes we need to take somebody into God's presence. Sometimes we need to pour into younger people and take them into God's presence, which talking about walk with Christ. We were seeing that last weekend, younger kids mentoring younger kids. Uh, or young kids mentoring young kids is pretty amazing to watch us pour into people. Who are you pouring into in your life? Who are you spending time with and helping get to know the Lord and seeking the Lord? And I just had lunch with somebody this week that was like mentoring me and pouring into me and speaking life into me. Who do you have that does that? Moses sets out with Joshua. We know that Joshua would take the baton from Moses and lead the Israelites. It's a very, very important relationship to pray for one another, to help each other hear God's voice, to invest in one another. It says in verse 14, it says, he said to the elders, so what Moses said, wait here for us until we come back to you. And Aaron and Ur are with you, and anyone involved in a dispute can go to them. So what he does is he leaves somebody in charge. So he knows in order to get away, he's got to leave somebody in charge. If you can't get away, you've got to leave somebody in charge. You've got to drop some things. Some of you ladies are going on the women's retreat next weekend. You're leaving your husbands in charge. We're going to pray for them. But you got to delegate, right? you got to delegate. In order to get away for a whole weekend, you got to set aside some responsibilities. The only way that you can get away is if you give some responsibility away. We're very, very busy people. We have to make time and make space. You would think this was a good decision for Moses, leaving Aaron and Ur, but obviously it wouldn't be. He would come back down the mountain, and he'd find them all worshiping golden calves. And he would be like, what in the world are you doing? He'd take the tablets and he'd break them. I mean, it's actually really a crazy story. And then he would grind up the tablets and he'd make all the people drink them. But that's beside the point. What I'm saying is that he left his brother in charge. Sometimes when you leave somebody in charge, you have to be prepared for it not to go the way you want it to go. But you've got to leave them in charge. 
We know he had a great relationship with Aaron and Ur. We know that when he was in a, in a battle in Exodus 17, 10 through 13, you might want to read this story and write it down sometime because we all need people surrounding us who love the Lord, who help us. Listen to this. It says, So Joshua fought the Malachites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Ur went up on top of the hill. As long as Moses held his hands up, the Israelites were winning, but whenever he lowered his hands, the Malachites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone, they put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Ur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other. So his hands remained steady until sunset. So Joshua overcame the Malachite army with the swords. We know that Aaron and Ur were big supporters of Moses. We know that he trusted them. It's the risk that you take when you delegate. That somebody may not do your job as good as you thought they would. And this is what Moses does. But he goes up the mountain. He goes to get alone with the Lord. Always try to remember this, by the way, about delegation. Maybe when it comes to the church, man, hey, sometimes I worry if I leave the church, it's going to crumble. But here's what I know. If I die tomorrow, probably everybody's going to keep on going and trucking. So you got to remember that, right? Like you're not as important as you think you are. You're important to the Lord, but not to everybody else. So... The, but the, but you gotta, you got to give it away. you got to give it away. So I would encourage you to get away and to spend time with the Lord. There's nothing more important you could do. Listen to verse 15. It says, When Moses went up on the mountain, it says, The cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. And for six days, the cloud covered the mountain. And on the seventh day, it says, The Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. So we know that Moses obviously goes up there. He's got Joshua with him. Uh, we, we call this the Shekinah glory of God. It's the, it's the manifestation of the presence of God. And it actually rests on the mountain for six days. Moses doesn't go into the cloud. He's just sitting there. I imagine he's doing what we did earlier. He's confessing. He's repenting. He's getting prepared to go meet with God. Before you met with God back then, you wanted to get prepared because we didn't have Jesus as the mediator. And so he's going, I, I got to get ready for this. But he's up there on top of the mountain. I imagine it was a little scary, probably looked like a consuming fire. We know that Peter, James, and John were scared to death in the New Testament. And so, anyway, so he, he on the seventh day, uh, we know that he ends up going in there. But it says, verse 17, it says, To the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. So the Israelites are witnessing this. They're watching somebody enter into the presence of God, but they haven't experienced themselves. They know that something amazing is happening on top of the mountain, but they're not experiencing it. And sometimes that's what happens when you watch other people experience the power of God, but you're not there yourself. And you're going, man, I just want to experience that. I want to be a part of that. I want a part of God, but you just can't get it. You can't conjure it up. But sometimes when the power of God falls on another person, the other people witness it going, man, I want it so bad that they're going to go get them some. I bet you if they could have walked up that mountain and weren't scared to death, death of God because they had Jesus as the mediator like we do, they would have been hiking that mountain day and night. That's why I think people are going up to Asbury because we're all hungry for the presence of God. We don't even know it. We are starving for the presence and the power of God in our life. Would you agree with that? We're hungry for it. Like, we're hungry for God. I mean, that's what this country's doing right now. Asbury, I'm looking at it going, man, people are starving for this. And they don't even know it. They're like, I just want to go up there. Why do I want to go so bad? Why do I want to drive six hours? Because it's hope and encouragement and life. It's Jesus. That's what it is. It's the movement of the Holy Spirit. And then you got some dude sitting in a basement critiquing it, saying, oh, it's all conjured up. Anyway, just irritates me. I don't think it was easy to enter into the presence of God. Obviously, then you had to be invited by the Lord because he was so holy, and now we have the Holy Spirit living within us that we can go to God at any point in time. It says in verse 18, 
says then Moses entered the cloud as he went up on the mountain. And listen to this, says that he stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. You have to think about this for a minute. He stayed 40 days and 40 nights. I mean, I don't know that we can sometimes stay in the presence of God for 40 minutes without feeling like we got to go eat, you know. Whenever you see the number 40 in the Bible, it usually means a time of testing or a time of trial. Uh, we see Jesus 40 days in the wilderness. We see Jonah warns Nineveh for 40 days. The Israelites are 40 uh, years in, uh, in Egypt. And you, you look, at, look at all this and you go, gosh, 40, 40 days in the wilderness. So uh, he's up there. And I, I guess what uh, the whole point of all this is to me, uh, what I take from this, there's lots of points that could be made, but um, man, we just need to get in God's presence. I, I, I just... I don't, know, I don't know how to say that any differently, that we just need to be in the presence of God. Um, <laughs> you're like, how do you help people do that as a pastor? I have trouble doing it myself. Uh, but I know there's moments where the Spirit of God will hit me so strong. I, I hope you all have those moments. Um, and I'll be doing the darndest things. Um, you know, I talk about riding a lawnmower, sitting in a deer stand or whatever, but... Um, sometimes just the consuming presence of God would just overcome me, and it's just such a great feeling. There's just, there's just no better comfort. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? So me and two other people have experienced the presence of God. <laughs> it's what I worry about. It's like, I, I, I mean, like, I think the greatest enemy we have today, honestly, if, if Satan were to appear today, um, I think that he would be about this big and, and have a screen and access to the internet and all things and a ringer and access to every single person um, that you know who at any moment's beckoning call can reach out to you. And, and distract you from God. So if I could do anything for this congregation, if I could say what I think would be healthiest for us, I would say, let's go on a retreat where there's no agenda and there's no phone. That's it. That'd be it. It's a retreat where you spend time with God, you have no phone, and you have no agenda. Now go talk to each other and pray for each other. And talk to God. I'm talking about for two days. You think I'm crazy. It would be amazing. Put up a hammock between two trees and just listen to the Lord. And give Him a little room to speak. So I'll end with this. I think the reality is we all probably find ourselves in a different place on the mountain. Some of us find ourselves at the bottom of the mountain looking up going, gosh, I wish I could experience the presence of God. I just don't really know how to do that and how to get there. Some of us are trying to move up the mountain. Some of us are having wonderful experiences with God. Some of us are coming off the mountain and we're leaving and going, gosh, I really miss that. Like if you go on a retreat, ladies, be prepared when you come back from the women's retreat and you get home and see your husband and children be utterly depressed because you've had a great weekend and you're going to come home and you're going to be, oh my gosh, I come back to all this stuff and all this responsibility. It's kind of a joke, but it's kind of real. When you come back from a spiritual high, which I know y'all will be on, the reality is you will hit the world. So 
we all find ourselves in a different place in this mountain, what I would encourage you to do is keep climbing the mountain. And even when you're not in the mountain, you don't feel like you're in the presence of God. Now we have the Holy Spirit who lives and reigns within us. And God is always with us whether we feel him or not. Revelation 3.20 says this, and I'll end with this. It says, here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will eat with that person and they with me. And some translations use the word sup, but it basically means that Jesus is going to sit down and he's going to live with us and abide in us. We have the Holy Spirit. Man, I just praise God today that God lives and reigns within each of us who believe in him and confess his name. And he is here for us and we have access to him and we can reach out to him and we can cry out to him. And the only reason we're not experiencing the power and the goodness of God is because we're not creating margin in our life to hear from him, in my opinion. Um, I think he's here and I think he's waiting and I think he loves us and I think he cares for us and I think he's going to do amazing things with us if we would just get before him and cry out to him. So, you timed that good. You knew I was about to wrap it up. So we'll just go into um, a time of worship and you guys, man, if y'all, y'all want to come up and pray and continue praying, I'd love for you to do that. I'd love for you to pray for each other. Um, man, don't be afraid, by the way, just to pray for each other. You know, we... I know I say that all the time. We need to pray for each other, guys. Like, lay hands on each other and pray over each other and pray for, like, just, I know it seems weird, but just go up to somebody and say, I felt led to pray for you. And just pray over them. Um, People do that for me all the time, and I appreciate that. Pray for your spouse. Pray over your children. Um, Anyway, I'll let God work. Father, I thank you. You are an awesome and amazing God. And I just pray, Father, for your Holy Spirit to descend on this place and to convict us and to pour out. Man, just pour out love on us, Jesus. Remind us that you love us and that you care about us, Lord. I thank you that Moses was able to go up on that mountain and be in the presence of his father. But Lord Jesus, you tell us if we cry out to you, Lord, you will be with us on the mountain right here, right now in this space. I thank you, Father, that you've given us your word. You've given us access to the Spirit, Lord. You've given us each other. You've given us a church. Lord, you've given us everything we could ever ask for. I pray that you move in this building and in this space, but most of all in the hearts of the people here. I pray, Lord, that there is a contagious spirit in this place where people know that the Holy Spirit lives and reigns. I do ask you to collectively forgive us of our sins. We confess that we are unworthy and make us new in you. Thank you for the privilege this morning of being able to speak your word, to lead your people in prayer. I'm grateful and I love you. I pray all these things in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.